So, okay. So here's what we're going to do. Last week was a ton of fun and we laughed our pants off. And the reason why we laughed our pants off is because we were all just a little tipsy. A little. Just a little. <laughs> just a little. Just a little. Alvaro had a head start. It wasn't entirely fair. He always gets a head start. See, this is the time zone thing working yeah. against us, Josh. This is not, this is not <laughs> like good. Like I'm drinking at 4.30. <laughs> but, That's fine. But That's it fine. is Friday. So it, it's kind of, it's fair. I think it's fair. It's forgivable. It's forgivable, right. I think. For me, it is midnight on a Friday night. And I'm, I'm <laughs> here at home recording a podcast with you guys because I love you. Ooh, he, he's getting to the romantic phase. And on that note. Oh, there we go. Okay, so that was a crack open. What are you having? What are you having? I'm having local beer. He's having a local beer. Made in Madrid well, local mm. beer. Yeah. Local. It sounds it sounds super crafty and super uh, trendy and original. It's really not. It's one of the most boring beers you can have in, in <laughs> Spain. It's pretty much the most popular one and the one you can find in every single bar. Sometimes you just need something reliable. So that makes it reliable. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Marius? Uh, I'm doing Estella because I don't have any of my usual craft beers, so... Kind of generic, but that's still what it is. Yeah, that's what I got. Nice, nice. Let's hear it. Okay, here we go. Let's see. I'm gonna let's try to let's try to this. I might spill it everywhere. It might not be good. Yeah, don't spill it on the computer. Oh, oh, that that sounded great. That was like if we're doing movie sound effects and we're trying to do like bones breaking or something. That would be (laughs) that would be useful. (laughs) Holy crap! Bones breaking. Is that really the first thing that comes to mind when you hear a beer? Bones breaking. A beer can opening. <laughs> no, it's what it sounded like when it came through my Skype here. I was hearing violins and and that kind of thing, you know, celestial music. Oh, sure, violins. Yeah, what violins? <laughs> Someone stepping on them? <laughs> a, very, a very drunk angel, maybe. <laughs> so I am drinking a Guinness on a Friday afternoon. Nice. There you go. Ooh, what a good old. So the Guinness out here, like obviously, it comes in a can. Not as exciting as the draft stuff that you can have out in Europe, but hey. That's fine. Yeah. Guinness is a is a meal in a can. It's good. All right. Well, it's episode 54. Beers on tap. Yeah. Uh, and we're recording this. Um, it's been a little while since our last episode. And in the intervening time, we got a um, we got a review of the show, which doesn't happen very often. And um, because it doesn't happen very often and because of the nature of this review, I want to read it in its entirety on the show. So I'm just going to dive in and then we'll talk about it afterwards. So this is coming from Rory P. Um, I believe he's in the UK. He, she, maybe. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. We'd only get a name. But anyway, this is what Rory had to say. The title, Obsessed with Gear, Rarely Talk About Photography. Rory says, I had high hopes for this podcast, but it's obsessed with gear and not in a helpful way. Instead, the hosts seem to constantly switch cameras or talk about switching them, extolling the values of a system one week, then switching back to another the week after. There's no real talk about the art of photography or anything creative. Then there's all the time they spend talking about whatever the latest Apple announcement is or just chewing the cud about Star Wars or something and it becomes like any other forgettable geek podcast. The hosts need to reread the byline on their website because there's nothing about the craft of photography, photographic skills, or transitioning from hobbyist to professional in what they produce at all, unfortunately. So. Wow. (laughs) uh, That was... That was really? not something that made me smile when I read it, obviously. Uh, but it is it is valuable feedback for us. It is critical feedback, but you know that's the kind of stuff that we can potentially learn from and improve as a result of. So I'm going to toss it to you guys for now. We've obviously spoken about this behind the scenes a little bit, but I just want to get our reaction on air, not just for Rory, but for other people who are potentially feeling the same way about the show. 
Um, I don't know which one of you guys wants to start, but go for it. Well, I think he hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I think it's fair. It's not being dishonest. Yeah, yeah it's absolutely fair. And uh, we have been guilty of that. It's it's just a fact. <laughs> and uh, we're going to have to deal with it. Because we realize this is supposed to be a show about photography, not gear. And the problem is all three of us, we love technology. So it's at some level, it's normal that we tend to go that way because that's the way we we communicate with each other online mostly we move in technology circles on twitter and everywhere else so uh, that's a bias that we have definitely and uh, we need to be more vigilant about it because i hadn't realized it up until now but it's it can turn off some people of course absolutely and that's unfortunate so yeah i think this is very welcome feedback for sure hey at the end of the day we we you know you don't stumble upon the greatest invention in the world by you know the first time so we're learning and done yeah right move on get better at it we're gonna try we you know we had a really like some really good feedback on a segment we did last week yeah and it's yep. it's quite it's a very fun coincidence because we actually recorded that episode before receiving this review yeah uh, but unfortunately, we we couldn't right. publish it in time. So it's I mean we didn't know we, we were going to get this review. But the last week's episode that we did, uh, you know, where we did the behind the shot segment, um, like you said, Josh, it got some pretty nice feedback from our Slack members, and uh, and it was a very fun segment to do and very refreshing for us too because we too get tired sometimes of talking about gear, believe it or not. So we wanted to do something different. And uh, Marius, you specifically said that we wanted to take this opportunity now that we've passed the 50th episode threshold to try and change it in, in order to get better. So yeah, the, the timing was definitely <laughs> unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, if only if only we had come to that realization before the 50th episode. Look, I mean, so here's here's my perspective. The thing that hurts to to me about this review is is the idea that you know we'd become another forgettable geek podcast because the world doesn't need another one of those. And fundamentally, we we did have and do continue to have higher um, aims. You know, we we do want to talk about the craft of photography, but fundamentally, this is. Um, also a show about three friends who are passionate about imaging technology getting together to chat. And so invariably there will be some Star Wars, there will be some beer, hmm. there will be some Apple and technology. And, you know, that you th that's sort of just part of, of our interaction. Um, but we do have a responsibility to um, make sure that this show is honest in terms of sticking to what the website byline says. And of course we could change the byline, but the, I think the byline <laughs> Let's do is, is, is sort of our guiding, you know, that's that's the North Star, right? That's what we're trying for. And and obviously we have not done an excellent job of, of staying on course, but I do hope that you'll be patient with us because like we just said, you know, after this 50th episode, we have been trying to be a little more deliberate about um, planning our content so that it's not so heavily focused on gear because not only is it tiring, but it's also not that interesting. Like we don't ultimately want to be a news and sort of technology news podcast. That's not the goal. The goal is to help photographers grow. Um, and ultimately that growth comes from uh, the skills, uh, not yeah. the technology. So we're working on it. Um, message received. And, and by all means, and by all means, do continue to send us your feedback because this is how we learn. This is how we get better. And if you, 
if there's some aspect of the show that you think we could improve upon, you're doing everyone a favor by sharing that opinion with everyone and with us in particular. Because we do listen, we pay attention to what you have to say, we care about making a good show, yeah. and we hope that you guys can enjoy it. Yeah, and that's, you know, basically this was an iTunes review, so, you know, visit your local neighborhood iTunes and, and leave us a review there if you like. Um, alternatively, just, you know, tell us on Twitter. We're, we're easy to get a hold of. Um, if you're part of our Slack channel, then, of course, you can just talk to us directly. Um, either way, just feel free to get in touch. You can send us an email to at hello at candid.fm. Um, don't be shy about it because even critical feedback is valuable to us. And it's not like we can promise that we'll, you know, address every single point because, you know, you can't make everyone happy and it is our show. And so it has to make us happy to make it. But this kind of stuff is good because it, it makes sure that we are in tune with what you guys want to hear from us. And if that's less gear, then less gear you shall get. So, uh, in the spirit of that, <laughs> it's cheaper. It's cheaper. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, cheaper. good point. You know, it's kind of weird. Like I was thinking about it. So we're we're talking we're talking about how about how we over talk about gear, and I'm trying to think about the last time that. I, okay, no, never mind. I'm going to prove myself wrong. I bought a lens this summer. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. You, so that was a recent thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll just stop right here before I dig a hole. Um, but. Speaking of uh, speaking of buying um, new gear, we we actually so we were trying to figure out what we can talk about today that's that's relevant but is not you know obsessing over gear. Right. Um, but there is a tangential topic that's relevant and topical right now because um, Alvaro, you just went through sort of a yeah a, a shitty hassle with trying to um, offload some used gear, and it got us thinking about you know. As photographers, you know, eventually we do change gear or buy new things. And there's a few different ways of doing that in the used market. And we just wanted to kind of go over how we personally find used gear or sell used gear and potential so, pitfalls. So let me get this straight. So so our in essence, we're going to go from a review that tells us that uh, we talk too much about gear to telling you how exactly. to get rid of all exactly. your gear. That's pretty See? much it. It's therapeutic. <laughs> Woo! We're 180. <laughs> the future candid. How to get rid of it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that, oh, so anyway, yes. yeah, you're, you're right. You're absolutely right. Good. I recently got, well, I am getting through a very unpleasant experience on eBay. And, and it's because I'm trying to sell my Sony 55mm lens which is a great lens, but I just have no use for it anymore. And and I think that money could be better spent elsewhere, not necessarily in camera gear, but on a trip. I have a very big trip coming up and I need to save some money, so something has to go. And uh, and it's it's that that lens has been my least used lens for the past year and a half. So it it just it doesn't make any sense to keep it around. And in the past I've sold I've sold gear and I've done it in several ways. I've done it on local forums, uh, local websites that, you know, get people in touch with each other. And it's like two uh, individuals making a deal on their own. Uh, there's no regulation, there's nothing. So from that standpoint, it is a bit, uh, it gives me a little bit of pause because you feel like you're exposed a little bit, especially if the lens is expensive. It's a $200 lens, I have no problem. You, you just sell it and you risk it. Worst case scenario, you lose some money, but uh, it's not going to be the end of the world. But if you're talking about an expensive lens, 
how do you get paid? You get paid in cash. You get eh, it's just a little bit tricky. So that's where eBay comes in, and uh, I just you know did the usual thing. I put put an ad app. I set the price, and everything looked great. Some somebody bought it, and uh, like forty eight. That according to eBay policy, they have forty eight hours to send the payment, and then you send you ship the item to them, right? So. Uh, when it was the 48 hour deadline, I got an, a message, an eBay message uh, from the buyer saying, uh, sorry for the delay, payment will be sent over PayPal tomorrow. Right. And I, I replied back and said, okay, that's not a problem. Uh, the lens is ready to ship whenever I get the payment. So just not a problem, everything's cool. And the, the next day came and of course I didn't get any payment. <laughs> I didn't receive anything. And then, then the next day after that, yeah. and then a week, and then ten days, and eventually I just I had to uh, message the the buyer again, and I said, uh, "Listen, um, I don't know what's your situation, but uh, I just I can't keep holding the item for you much longer. I need I need to know if you're going to pay and 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 when and and that's pretty much it, right? And I I didn't get any a response, like yeah. zero radio silence so at, at that point i was thinking what do i do because i haven't shipped the item but if i cancel the sale i'm the one who looks bad on ebay so it's tricky it's really tricky and i i started reading the terms and the the rules of the ebay site and i know that the buyer by the mere uh, fact that he clicked the buy now uh, button it's a binding contract so he's obligated to pay for the lens but what do you do when the payment doesn't get here? Yeah. So apparently there's a sort of like a resolution, uh, a conflict resolution center or something like that. You can open up a, uh, a case and they, in theory, uh, get in touch with the buyer and inform them that they have to pay for the, for the item or whatever. And you have five days or they have five days to finalize the payment. And if you don't get paid in those five days, you can get a, uh, you can get your, uh, commission back. You know, eBay charges you a commission for every sold item. That is like about 10% of the sale value. So in this case, and for an expensive lens, that's, that's not insignificant money. Yeah. In this case, it was like 600 bucks. So it's like $60 of, of, of a commission that I've been charged and, uh, and, and I haven't gotten any money for it. So, uh, the problem is the five days have passed already, and I have, I haven't heard back either from the eBay staff or from the buyer. As far as I know, the case is still open, is still unresolved, and right. I still haven't been paid. <laughs> and I'm thinking I'm just gonna have to cancel it and and deal with eBay directly if they if they want to reimburse me for for the commission or not. And, and the problem if I do that is that I'm risking getting negative feedback on my eBay profile. And as you guys know, if you have, if you don't have many sales like I do, I think I've sold like 12 items ever since I signed up uh, for eBay. Mm -hmm. So one negative uh, rating on my account is like 10% of my overall uh, rating. And that's a lot. Like, Nobody's going to yeah. buy anything from me if I have a only a 90% positive rating. 
like uh, as soon as you drop yep. below 97 or 98 you're considered like not reliable not safe it's risky so yeah it's a it's a very big problem so on one hand i, I really hesitated before i opened the the case on the resolution center because i didn't want to i didn't want my move to come across as hostile but like you said, Marius, so so is not paying, right? <laughs> not paying is pretty much the most hostile thing you can do. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. See, like this is this is the thing that that makes me so wary of using eBay um, in general is that you end up th there's the possibility of ending up in a situation like this where your item is essentially held hostage while another party is figuring out what's going on with payment, right? Because right. now you're sort of stuck because you you you've kind of like. I suppose there's the possibility that eBay will manage to extract the money from this buyer, or they might not. And either way, you kind of lose in this transaction because, in the meantime, you could have just sold it locally. You could have exactly, uh, you know, you could have found another buyer. Like there's, there were all sorts of other options open to you. Whereas now you're stuck in this limbo, waiting for the resolution center to deal with it, and it's just, it's a lot of hassle and a lot of stress. And to me, that just is. I don't know, like I, I prefer the comparative stress or whatever you want to call it of just dealing with people individually in person, uh, face to face, um, which, you know, carries with it its own risks and problems. But yeah, I mean, you, you this is like the textbook case of why, why I'm not a big eBay fan when it comes to um, selling, but even buying um, secondhand things, to be honest, it just. No, 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 no. Hold on. I think eBay is getting a really bad rap here. Because, okay, so we were just talking about this before the show. Each each of the three of us have our preferred methods. And eBay is my preferred method, bar none. And I, I, I don't know if I, maybe I've done something differently, but I spent like probably three or four hours one day digging through all the documentation for eBay and figuring out how to limit my my selling market, so to say, on eBay to like a group of people who actually had real ratings and normally paid for things and and I bet you I've sold 20 items in a row with no issues whatsoever. Before that was like hell on earth. It was awful. I think I had one item literally go through two unresolved things the way Alvaro right. was talking about it. And since this point, like since that point, I went in, did change a whole bunch of options. Yeah, you limit your market for sure. And in all likelihood, you 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 know end up with less cash in your pocket by doing so, potentially. But I would argue that having less money guaranteed in your pocket is better than more money that ends up in a resolution center right. never in your pocket. 100%. So long story short is like, I think that, I think that there's a lot of bad experiences for sure. And those are going to happen regardless of, um, the options that you have, but you can, you, you can work against it by, by changing who can see your, your auctions. Right. And again, my experiences are like pristine. I, you know, there was one time one time where the guy waited until the 48th hour to pay, but he paid, sent it off, bada bing, bada boom. So anyway, uh, I'm just going to be the guy here who vouches for eBay. Right. There's this slight problem with your approach, which is admittedly much better than mine. The whole limiting the number of people who can see your listings. That's great. The problem is my buyer has 718 ratings and they are 100% positive. All of them. So... Either I'm being the most unlucky eBay seller in the world. So would have got through. Or, like I said, like or there's I said. something wrong going on here. That's suspicious. Right. So like I said, it's not like these people are going to leak. They're still going to leak through the filters. Don't get me wrong. 
Um, but I do think that you can combat it, like, you know, it, or combat it, sorry, like beforehand, again, like 50% of my auctions were awful, awful. And now like maybe 95% of them are awesome right. or even better than that. So yeah, it's not a fail safe, definitely not like the perfect method. And again, there's other eBayers out there who are going to be way, way more knowledgeable about this than I am, but, um, I've had really good luck. So anyway, I'm not going to sit here and take it from you guys bashing eBay. Right. God. <laughs> no, my and, sword and, and shield. <laughs> and, and of course, the goal is not to bash eBay. I think that um, I think that the problem with eBay really is that it's such a complex marketplace. Um, like it, it has so many rules. There are so many intricacies because of the various you know steps involved and the the protection that's in place. Um, I feel like it means the the barrier to entry is higher. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So. For me, um, Josh, you actually, you you helped me with this when I was putting up an auction. I forget what it was for now, but it was earlier last year, maybe, whenever it was. You helped me um, refine those settings because, you know, by default, my settings were, you know, whatever the default is. And right. those settings are very, I would call them unsafe, basically. Yep, they because, are. They're awful. Because you, you open yourself up to all sorts of different scam attempts, all sorts of different, um, just basically bad buyers. And so once I had set up uh, everything to be um, in accordance with what you had recommended and, you know, some stuff I tweaked to fit my situation, um, that seemed better. That seemed like a, you know, something that I that I could work with. But again, for me, like that's that's a lot of effort to go through for listing items. It is. And, right. And the fact that I then have to ship the item and do, you know, pay eBay some fees for the, you know, like th- there's a there's more involved in it than I am typically comfortable with, and that's why I tend to gravitate toward um, dealing with people through local classifieds wherever possible. Here in Canada, that means mostly um, Craigslist and uh, Kijiji, uh, but throughout the world, there are equivalent marketplaces where people are just you know putting up ads. Actually, you know what? I I don't know if you guys have found this, but here um, there's been quite a surge in the popularity of Facebook marketplace and things like um, private groups where people are trying to stay away from the bigger classifieds where some of the scammers, you know, drift around. And it's just a private group of people who share a certain interest, um, you know, in this case, photography, who are selling um, and buying gear through each other. So it's it's almost like it's uh, there's a smaller pool. So there's, you know, fewer potential buyers, but also less of a chance that they're going to be right. shady individuals. Yeah, I've heard about those. And and I've seen like those Facebook groups, they pop up on your feet, on your profile when you're, you know, skimming through the app. So it's like they, they show up like ads. And I've been curious about those. I don't know how popular they are in practice yeah. in, in Spain, but I do see ads come up, come up every now and then. Uh, here, we have several of those uh, you know, local classified forums. We have several of those and they tend to work very well. I've sold lenses in the past. You know, I, I got rid of all of my Micro Four Thirds gear back in the day and I did it all locally. I didn't, I, I only sold one lens on eBay, I think, but the camera and the rest of my lenses, they I, I did right. all, uh, I sold them all locally. And uh, yeah, it works very well. But like I said, I was a little bit anxious once the price gets, uh, you know, high enough it becomes a little bit trickier to to deal with with uh, those kinds of, of things because if you meet the person, you know, uh, at a coffee place or something, do they pay you in cash? 
how, how do you do it? And if it's, you know, someone you don't know, then great, because you have all the leverage. Pay me and I ship the item. And if you don't pay me, I don't ship you anything. So from that standpoint, that's, that's great. Yeah. I actually, I think it's easier when the person who wants to buy your stuff is not from your city, because that way you don't have to deal with them in person and you are sure. I mean, I only deal in those situations. I only accept like a bank transfer. I don't accept PayPal in those in right. those cases. Maybe in the interest of of you know leaving people with something concrete, because I think that this is you know fundamentally if you're if you've got gear that you're either buying or selling, um, there are some tips that we can probably leave you with because we've done a fair bit of it, um, just to to reduce the risk of of anything bad happening. So I can I can speak to the you know classified side of things because that's typically the way that I go. Um, a lot of it is common sense. I'm going to say, you know, like if you're if you're dealing with a transaction that involves a lot of money, whether you're buying or selling, go with a buddy. You know, don't go right. alone. And I also found I, maybe this is you know part of the the social side of it, but I find that it's generally pretty easy to tell when you're dealing with someone who's not reputable or not serious about what's going on. Like if they're not um, agreeing to meet in a public place, if they are generally not great at communicating if they're unwilling to share any sort of you know uh actual email address or phone number or whatever right. to, to speak to you um you can generally tell like if they're being cagey there's probably something wrong with the situation and in those like whenever whenever you know my sixth sense is is sort of telling me that something is not right uh i just don't go through with the transaction because there's always going to be another one right like there's no there's no uh urgency i'm not there's no contract where i'm tied to to sell it to the you know so i think that a certain degree of of common sense does protect you there going with a friend is super helpful in the face-to-face -face transactions never accept paypal because there's all sorts of different ways that that can be um, used against you and um you know if you're if you're not comfortable dealing with cash then in at least in canada we have a, a system for sending money directly bank to bank um interact e-transfers they're called and those are pretty good because they're you can't reverse them they're not you know it's 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 a one-way transaction um happens instantly so you don't have to you know it's not something that you have to wait for um and it means that you're not really afraid that you're going to get mugged because you're not bringing money like it's not so there are things like that that i think can help um but i I'll, fundamentally i think it's just common sense right like be be careful bring a friend and uh you should be fine. So I was just going to say some tips on the on the eBay front. It's a little bit convoluted uh, the way they have this set up. But in your whole in your seller account or in your account, let's just say your your account, uh, you can go to like the my eBay and you go to um, like settings, and then in there there's a seller account, and then you got to click on another thing, and that thing is site preferences on the left side, and then it shows you this. It's like you know, 1995 Windows um, <laughs> and uh, Windows 95. I mean, I was hardly even born at the time. Anyway, uh, so hardly even born. That's a weird way of saying you're, it. You're only a little bit born. <laughs> so and then in there is like a buyer requirements and you can change a bunch of things. Like I've got it says on mine, uh, like block buyers who don't have a PayPal account or who have received two unpaid item strikes or uh, they have a pr primary shipping address and a location I don't ship to and blah, blah, blah. There's like six things in here that state, you know, and it, it just flat out blocks them, blocks my auction from any of those people who would fall in any of those categories. So 
that's how I've done it. Um, I specifically only ship to like Canada and the United States. I don't do worldwide. I've had way more issues when I ship worldwide. Uh, so I stick to that. Sorry to the European folks. If you want to get in touch with me, like I'll still ship it to London or something like that. No big deal. Anyway. Uh, and, and, and that would be the other thing. Now the, I got to say, like, I, I'm the, the financial accountant guy here. So I've had nothing but issues in setting up tax codes on there. And I think that should be something that people remember. Like if you're registered for any sort of taxes, you actually have to collect them and you still have to do that through eBay and eBay is horrible at, like, at, at doing that stuff. So if you guys have tips for me on that, I would be open to it. So that's how I do it on eBay. Just block everybody. And, block everybody. Uh, block everybody. <laughs> everybody. Don't sell anything ever. <laughs> Perfectly safe. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that and yeah, that's how I would, I've never done like returns. Like I've never, I've said returns not accepted. That's never been an issue. Um, right. Yeah. I don't know. Guys, I just, I've had good experiences on, on eBay, except that I do think I end up with a little bit less cash in my pocket. That is, that is like the ultimate truth, especially with, especially with the 10% fee on like digital or like technological devices. 10% is quite a lot of money. So that's a um, lot that adds up. But anyway, it it ain't the end of the world. At least I don't, I have some more cash in my pocket. Well, to be fair, I have, I tend to think of eBay as a safer place to deal. Uh, But, but really, if I look back on my personal experience, my actual experience, I've come out much better when I've done deals locally. Or even, you know, not locally, but throughout, through separate channels, through other forums. Uh, those have worked very, very well for me in the past. And I don't know why I'm so hesitant to to go that route in this particular case. Because like I said, there are, and like you said, Marius, there are ways to protect yourself against fraud. And, and, and it's usually easy to tell, right? I've had a, a guy back, to, back out from a transaction with me because he wouldn't, he, he didn't want to uh, do a FaceTime call with me. Oh, yeah, and that okay. right there tells you that there's something shady going on, right? Yeah. He insisted on me accepting PayPal, like really insisted. Like, yeah, I don't I care if, if you charge me more, but you have to sure. accept PayPal. And I'm like, okay, that was my first clue. <laughs> and so I, I said, why don't we do a FaceTime call? I show you the item live so you can see it in the call. You can you can ask me anything you want, and he said, "Yeah, yeah. How about five minutes from now?" And then he never picked up. So yeah, okay. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The by the way, the asking for more, like you know, the the more money thing, that's yeah. a pretty common on ramp yeah. to oh, yeah. uh, to a scam. If they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 we'll we'll go through PayPal and you know charge me more for the fees for the whatever," like just no yeah, red flag. Absolutely. About face not happening. By the way, I have I have news on this front. Sorry, sorry to catch you, but I have news on this front. I've just received a message from eBay, actually. <laughs> on the air. Ooh. Yeah, they <laughs> today, earlier today, but I, I didn't check it, so I, I I didn't know. I just, you know, I just checked right now just in case. And yet there is a new message. Uh it's from eBay, you know, eBay staff saying that uh, like like I knew the the are the item hasn't been paid for and the deadline has expired for the buyer to pay for it. So I have until November 17th to claim the refund of my seller's fee. Oh, sweet. Ooh, $60 richer. So looks like I'm going to get my money back at least. Looks like I'm going to get my money back. And 
best of all, looks like I'm going to get to release the item. But I don't think I'm going to do it on eBay, to be honest. <laughs> I was going to ask, are you going <laughs> to release it there? Yeah. I don't know. Right. I don't know what to do. I'll help you. Ah, I'll help you. I'm not an eBay, like I don't own eBay shares, guys. Don't don't worry. <laughs> you know what I should do? Josh, you should buy the lens from me. Why? Yeah, there's an why? idea. I, I, why? <laughs> I, so that you can sell it. <laughs> yeah, true. Because you sold yours and you miss it dearly. I, oh, I, I miss it tons. Yes, yes. <laughs> tons. I, seriously, I haven't picked up my camera in so long, guys. I feel like a fraud sitting here, but that's okay. That That is its own topic, the, the fatigue, the exhaustion. We will yeah. tackle nah, that, by the way, because never. that's a kind of a big difficult yeah. tricky topic um but just to wrap this one up i think that the the reason that this is interesting is because i also wanted to um ask you guys about your habits when it comes to secondhand gear and and in this case i'm talking both about buying and selling um because the way i look at it you can often find really good deals buying things secondhand but you open yourself up to you know like it might not have a warranty or you might not be, you know, like things like that. So I just wonder, like, do those downsides um, outweigh for you the benefits? Or do you find that when you are looking to make a, you know, gear purchase, whatever it might be, you do look for secondhand stuff? Like, is that is that a valid part of your buying process or not, not even? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I love buying secondhand gear. I mean, I've... I think I've tried every possible channel to get mm. secondhand gear that I know of that is available to me in Madrid. I've tried eBay. I've tried local classifieds. I've tried even local shops because some local shops, uh, photography shops, they have used gear uh, departments and you can get there. Usually the prices are a little higher, but they do offer store warranty on those items. So if you're oh, at good. all concerned, yeah, if you're at all concerned, that's a very good way to do it. You know you're going to pay a little bit more than you would if you bought it on a local ad. But, you know, it works. It works very well. And I've done them all. And I, have, I haven't I have had a single bad experience when yeah. buying secondhand gear because I'm very picky about what I buy. It's like the, the same filtering that Josh does when selling gear, I do when buying. You have your own eBay settings. <laughs> No filters when buying over here. <laughs> no filters at all when buying. Just buy it. Buy all the things. Right. Buy all, <laughs> hashtag buy all the things, as you know. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Candid yeah. clap right there. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. What about you, Josh? Because you you tend to buy from a, the store, don't you? Like that? Yeah. Have you bought much secondhand so stuff? So far, yeah. Like, I mean, so I, I shoot with Sony, so... Uh, like it's really hard to find quality stuff online that's used because it's a relatively True. new system, right? Like it's not like Canon or or Nikon stuff where it's just like plentiful and you can get deals on it. And uh, Black I don't Friday know about deals. that. Like, there's no such thing as. I mean, it's getting well, better, it's, but it's not it, it, like it used as to be. Yeah, totally, totally. It's not like it's getting worse. <laughs> uh, but for example, uh, a, a good rule of thumb is if the item you want to buy was released in the past twelve months, you're never going to get a good secondhand deal. And if you see one, it's shady, real shady. Yeah, or it's destroyed, one or the other, right? Like, yeah, exactly. You can't you can't trust those ads because a new item that's that was just released that is, you know, supply constrained. People are you know scar looking all over the internet trying to find them, and you're not gonna find it for 
30% off retail price. Yeah, this is just not going to yeah. happen. But for older items, older lenses, for example, my 24-70, that's a really old lens. It's the first lens that was released for the system. And it's not, it, it, it didn't get very great reviews. So that lens, you can find it for $600, maybe. The, the retail price is 1100 So that's almost 50% off. And that is a reasonable, I mean, you see those kind of prices all the time. So you can find good deals. It's just, it depends on the item and how new it is. Right. Um, so my, my thoughts on used stuff, if we're talking about photography kit, um, I get a little bit iffy on buying a body used. Mm, yeah. Uh, mostly because of the shutter actuations and like that, that part is, you know, that I, I don't know, like a lens has an unlimited life theoretically, right? As long as the glass is good, you're good to go. But a body, uh, and you know, and then batteries, right? Like those are those are poor sometimes. So like, I would, I don't, I wouldn't hesitate for a second buying a used lens ever, um, but I would hesitate with a body. Uh, I I would probably be a lot more picky that way. So um, I would do it on eBay again, just because I don't like the. I would prefer the impersonal. You know, uh, I'm not like a bartering or a negotiating type. It's just like no, like here's the final price, done, end of story. Um, so yeah, that would that would be. It's a little hypocritical, I guess. You know that I'm gonna end up probably selling my body on eBay in the future mm -hmm. if I ever decide to upgrade. A7R3. <laughs> no more gear talk. I'm done. Everyone send emails to Josh. <laughs> but that's exactly that's exactly the case. <laughs> that is exactly the case where buying in a, at a local shop, you know, the used department at a local shop is worth it because you're gonna pay a little bit more for the body, but you get a store warranty. So you know if you have any problem, you can just take right. it back and they're gonna answer for it. That's that that right there is good service. And that's worth paying a little bit more for the item. Right. Right. For a lens, I'd say risk it, because lenses in general have fewer things that can go wrong with them than a body. And especially you were talking about shutter actuations, and that's something people usually ask for when you know, when you when you want to buy a body, you say, how many shutter actuations does it have? And they'll typically give you a number. And that works if the camera was mostly used for photography. But if it was used for video, Good point. you really have no way of telling how used that sensor is. Because video really, really stresses the sensor out a lot. And there's no way to tell how many hours of video were shot with a, with a given camera. There's also cases where you can't tell the number of shutter actuations even for photos uh, with a given body. Like my my Canon 1D Mark III, you can't actually tell how many shutter actuations are on the body. Only Canon can. There's no publicly available tool or anything. Right. That's such crap. I hate that. Like, <laughs> what are these people like? You know what? It was like pulling teeth trying to figure out the actuations on my uh, EM5 Mark II when I was selling it. It was just awful. I had to Google it, and then it was like this button press, press up, and that, down, you know, left, it's like right. old Nintendo, and you're like, yeah, up, down, up, <laughs> yeah, left, so right, A, B. Oh my the, word! Like, I think what the do they idea expect? is that it's it's not as reliable a number as people think it is, so they they make it difficult to access right. because in most cases they don't want you to find it and make decisions based on it, like especially in or, or they just don't want you to sell it used one or the other, well, it's right? Not, like, I mean, there's that, but I, I think it's also in the case of mirrorless cameras in particular, where you also have like there's a mechanical shutter and an electronic shutter um 
the number of times that the shutter has been fired is going to have a very different implication in terms of durability depending on whether it was more use of the electronic shutter or the mechanical shutter. Ha, that's how you do it. Right. I'm going to shoot with electronic shutter from now on for the rest of my life, and I'm going to sell it as a new camera. No, but it still shows up as an actuation. That's the problem. Oh. Min- oh. Mint in box. <laughs> <laughs> I've always wanted to just like leave a Mentos in the box and just give them that. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, minted box. That's a great episode. Yeah. Title. Was... <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's actually, a, oh, yeah, that, it is. that one's good. That's good. One. Uh, okay. Here's what I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with something that goes back to our whole don't obsess over gear thinking. And this is, if you are looking at secondhand stuff, you might be in a situation where you cannot actually afford the thing that you are trying to buy. So in the spirit of being responsible with your purchasing, right? I think it's worth considering the possibility of only buying things at retail. And this is purchasing, not selling. So buying at retail, because if you do so, you are ensuring to yourself that, yes, I can afford this thing. And it also means that you don't have to worry about any hassle in terms of like, is there... Because especially with lenses, like it's not all simple when you're buying it secondhand, because if you don't test it when you are with the seller you could end up taking home a lens that's like awfully decentered or something like that. And then you're stuck with it, right? Right. So there are still pitfalls. And that's sort of part of the process if you're dealing with secondhand buying is you have to be diligent at the point of purchase with testing it and making sure that the contacts are right, making sure there's no issue with the autofocus, blah, 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 all this stuff, right? So if you're buying retail, all of that goes away because even if there is a problem, you take it back to the store, or you get in touch with the manufacturer and you say, hey, buddy, my lens is decentered. Let's do something about this. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of like, in terms of being a responsible buyer, I think there's a lot to be said for buying at retail because A, it, it again prevents you from making stupid impulse purchases of things that you can't actually afford, which I know I, for one, am certainly guilty of having done in the past and, and not so distant past. Um, and it's something that I think you know, I want to get better at, right? And and there's there's sort of like, you got to tell yourself not to get caught up in it. You know what I mean? Like sleep on it, wait several weeks, preferably. Like that's the, that's a good benchmark. If you're, if you're still pining over something weeks and weeks later, then maybe it's worth considering. But uh, I, I think that for a lot of photographers, the new shiny thing appears on the market and we get really, really excited about it. And then it's not actually necessary. It's not actually going to improve our work in any, like, yeah. as much as we think it will. Alvaro, talk about your two-week thing. Oh, yeah. Like, I use that rule all the time. Yeah. Yeah, but before I do that, Marius, you made a, a very interesting point and about, you know, risking when you're buying a lens. I, I said before, there are fewer things that can go wrong with lenses, and that's, well, it's true for the most part, but yeah, decentering is a very real issue. But worst-case scenario, Guys, just remember, if you end up purchasing, you know, secondhand, a very badly decentered lens, you can always sell it to somebody else. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> nah, oh, I'm sure. just kidding. <laughs> How do you sleep at night? So, yeah, my two-week test. Oh, that was, that's something I still try to, you know, put in practice is when I obsess about it, buying something new, a new whatever it is, a new bicycle it used to be, a new lens, a new camera even. Um, 
I am very, very prone to, you know, feeling the heat of the moment. And, and that's I, the thing that I'm trying to get better at. And the, the thing that I find helps me get through those moments is I give myself a two week timeout. And it's like, I'm not going to buy this thing for the next two weeks. I'm not even going to think about it for the next two weeks as, as much as I can. And if when those two weeks have passed, I still want to buy it, then I give myself permission to do it. And it may look like a silly thing, but those two weeks make a huge difference. Yeah, I don't think it's silly it at gives all. You, it, it, they give you a lot of time to just put some perspective on the whole thing. And, and once you're there, once you're looking at it, you know, uh, from a different mindset, most, more often than not, you're going to realize you don't really need to buy that stuff. Yeah. And if you, and if you do, it's okay, buy it. Then two weeks are not going to make a difference. They're not going to make you happier or, or sadder. It's, it's just, you know, trying to be responsible about the way you spend your money. Yes, you'll make me happy. I like it. Two weeks. That's the mantra. Two weeks. So what you should do then is just like go to Africa for two weeks and not read a thing about the iPhone 10 until you get back. <laughs> and then just obsess over it after the two-week time frame. <laughs> do not recommend. Do That's not, cheating. Do not recommend that approach. That's cheating. Seriously, so the guy here who's obsessing over the iPhone 10 is 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 me. <laughs> no. Really? It must be some no, other Josh. Not really. It is nice though. Guys, it's pretty nice. It's really nice. We're not allowed to talk about gear. It's not gear. This is a phone. Okay, fine. <laughs> Are you guys done your beers? Oh yeah, it's long gone. <laughs> well, Guinness is a meal, so. Oh no, mine mine isn't, but mine is the second one. So technically, True. it's cheating. How's that Guinness, Josh? Yeah, it's good. You know, I didn't pour it right, and I think that there's a really big kicker to pouring a Guinness correctly, right? Right. There, yeah, you got to get that head on there, and if the head doesn't happen. It's just not, it doesn't taste as good. Yeah. And so I tried to pour it in front of the microphone so that you could hear it and that didn't work. I spilled everywhere. So I required, no I asked Jack to bring me a, a napkin and then I was like cleaning that up while we were recording. <laughs> and oh man, it's been a bit of, it's been a show. Wow, here. you had a whole ordeal there behind the scenes <laughs> that we weren't. Yeah, I did good. So, uh, yeah, so I, it, it's a Guinness, but it was not very well poured, so I didn't do well. That, that's why not you a have to one, like, right? Yeah, that's on me. That's totally on me. I, I can't blame them. But what they, I'm hearing she, here is that you need to have another right. one so that you can perfect. Yeah, your I only had one. I bought like ten of them, and this was the last one. So next week, I would do anything wow. to have Guinness on draft here, guys. Oh, that would be awesome. Do none of the That'd local bars have it? Nothing. Really? Oh no. Really? Not maybe not around that's here. Odd. Now I live in like the boonies, guys. Come on. So, like, we don't, I'm not, I'm not even kidding, guys. I live in a town that was dry until 10 years ago. Man, it like, did not even occur to me. We, I should have taken you to, to like, any bar here and just fed you Guinness on oh, tap until. I love Guinness. I love it, but it's just not available. So, I'm just, I'm yeah. just saying, if you were ever thinking about starting a business, man. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. The money. Be the guy. Be the guy Guinness bar. Guinness. <laughs> 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 Ginter's Guinness. Here we go. Ginter's Guinness. It's perfect. <laughs> Sells itself. Uh, yes. 